You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. Green Bay Packers talk all of the time, even in the postseason, as uh, we as Packers fans are now uh, privileged enough to uh, get to sit back and watch, put our feet up and watch Wild Card Weekend uh, unfold before us and and. And what a weekend it was. Uh, some very interesting games happening there, and we are going to get into those. Uh, we are going to hold off special treat for you guys. We are going to do two episodes this week, and so we will have a, a formal preview of Seahawks at Packers, the divisional round matchup, which is Sunday. Uh, we'll have a preview. A special guest going to join us, and that will be released overnight on Thursday. So look for that Friday morning for your commute in your feed there. Um, but, uh, I'm Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod, subscribe on iTunes, all that fun stuff. And, uh, joined by the usual cast, Alex Patakis out in New York. How are you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not drinking, uh, one of my top three favorite LaCroix flavors like you are currently with the peach pear. Yeah. Uh, that one's great. I'm doing that eating Shake Shack. So there's no like real like cultural lesson to go along with that. It's like far more <laughs> boring than the things that Ben Ben tends to eat during the show or cook for himself, which is also way better than mailing it in and getting a burger on Seamless. But I feel like that combination will produce the proper indigestion needed if and when a Mike McCarthy impression has to come up. I was just going like to say, actually, him. I uh, right before we hit record, I inhaled uh, a bowl of spaghetti bolognese so i too am working on that sort of mid-sentence like internalized burp and uh, we'll see if we can't get there as as we do end up talking a little bit uh mike mccarthy later um but can't skip over ben at ben foldy on twitter over in detroit michigan uh wearing a very nice gray sweater with the collar popped out underneath it's a good look man thanks this is my this is my work my work outfit your work attire I wear this sweater literally every day, pretty much. What's your What's your go to Lacroix flavor? <laughs> go to Lacroix is pamplemousse. Uh, Follow up cran raspberry. Ah, pamplemousse. <laughs> Jatem, pamplemousse. Oh yeah, we're an apricot household, but peach pear is in our is in our top three. I'm glad all three of us are on the Lacroix train. We enjoy beverages that tape taste like loosely like fruit burps in our face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a like a strawberry farted in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, all right, guys. Well, um, a- as I teased just a moment ago, we're gonna talk. We're gonna preview uh, the big matchup between Seahawks and Packers a little bit later in the week. 
uh, Wild Card Weekend, of course, is in the book, so uh, so we will talk about that. Um, Mike McCarthy is the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, breaking, not so breaking news, and we will, of course, talk about that. Uh, before we get into any of that, I did want to touch on um, the little ad read that we did before last week's episode, uh, which was uh, for a fundraiser. Uh, to raise money for cancer research for uh, the fine folks over at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and Alex, you weren't on that. Uh, you weren't on that episode, but after we concluded our recording, I saw uh, your old buddy Pratik from uh, ESPN Milwaukee tweeting about it, and and I talked to him and decided to throw up a little promo, and so um, gonna put out the feelers again to get people to, to try to donate, but I thought I would uh, hand it over to you to talk a little bit about what this fundraiser is all about. Yeah, so uh, some people may actually be aware of it. It's called Cycle for Survival. It's a very big event here in New York City um, and one that um, raises, I think, upwards of like t- tens of millions of dollars for cancer research, specifically for rare cancers at Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is like a great um, cancer hospital that you know, they develop new drugs. They do a lot of clinical studies. They're like, you know, one of the leaders in this, um, probably in the world. So um, we we have a team uh, that we formed actually not long after I was uh, recently diagnosed with um, testicular cancer, which is actually a very rare cancer, believe it or not. Um, rare cancers are not just ones you've just like never heard of. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily really bad. Um but uh, yeah, so testicular is a rare cancer. I was diagnosed with that basically right at the start of football season, uh, which explains some of my absence and probably lacking energy through <laughs> this entire season um, on multiple shows. But um, I was really lucky to be able to get in at Sloan um, and basically power through uh, four rounds of chemotherapy from September or October, I think, until... Just recently, right before Christmas. In fact, I just got some really good news about my prognosis going forward, and I'm well on my way um, to being in remission and eventually cured, which I'm really thankful for. So I want to, you know, I think a lot of people in that situation end up kind of feeling like they have some type of responsibility to like help others, and I guess the only way I can really do that is to create a little team. Now I think we have like 24 people on our team um, out trying to fundraise and then eventually ride in this event uh, in New York to raise money so that they can keep on doing the great things that they do at Sloan and and curing people who are probably less fortunate and have um, maybe not as good of a prognosis as I had when that happened. So uh, yeah, that's the long and short of it. You can go, I I finally tweeted, like um, there's a link if you want to donate uh, on my Twitter. You mentioned Pratiks. I know you led people there too. He's crushing it right now in like our competition. So if you want to go to mine, find listeners of the show. Oh, you um, have a friendly wager with Pratik <laughs> on who can raise the most? Uh, yeah, basically. Um, no, and it. Uh, I, I mean, I appreciate I, I I heard from a number of listeners on Twitter actually already, um, which was super nice. And people who have donated and everything, like it's really, really greatly appreciated. Um because I really do have come to like, you know, really appreciate the work they do there, uh, which was like top class. Um, so it, it's it's great. It's for a really good cause and it's greatly appreciated. So thank you, everyone who's already done that. Um, and if that's your way of show of support of the show, that that's really cool because it helps a lot of people. Yeah. 
And I, and I want to say, um, you may you may have felt like you were uh, you were low energy sometimes when you were on uh, throughout the season, as as of course we knew what you were dealing with and the listeners did not. But I think you brought the heat every time you came on, and it was always <laughs> um, a treat when you were able to make it. And we are so thrilled um, to hear this good news today, just before we started recording, um, and and regarding uh, your diagnosis going forward. And again, so for everyone out there, if you do want to donate um, at Alex Patakis on Twitter um, uh, or Pratik uh, at uh, Patel ESPN on Twitter, it's it's uh, pinned in his profile. You got to pin it in your profile. Yes, I have pinned it. I should have mentioned that. Um, my profile has been dormant, but it, I'm going to be back on Twitter more, I think. Bring it uh, back. Playoff football, man. Like, yeah, you know, it's like too fun to be on there and not uh, not engage, I think. Yeah, totally. Well, speaking of playoff uh, football, I thought we would do uh, sort of run down the the wild card weekend kind of headlines. Um, uh, really, we're obviously going to focus on the NFC games here, as uh, those are most relevant for our Green Bay Packers. Uh, but first, the other conference, the Bills, fall to the Texans, twenty-two to nineteen. And uh, personally, as a child of the '90s, I loved having the Bills back in the playoffs. But uh, breaking news, you guys: Deshaun Watson is like quite, quite good at football, and there's not much you can do about that. Um, but meanwhile, in Foxborough, and I do want to pause on, on this for one second: the Titans, who like sucked earlier this year with Marcus Mariota. There's no way around it; they were just not good. They insert Ryan Tannehill. Mid-season, Derrick Henry uh, does his thing, and then bam, they're in the playoffs. And holy crap, they're defeating the Patriots in Foxborough, twenty to thirteen. Uh, Alex, was it a surprise to you the way that this game went down? I mean, I think like when the Patriots are eliminated on Wild Card Weekend, it's going to be a surprise. Even though like we went into that game with everyone saying that the Titans, like arguably, are the better team, just given the way the Patriots played in the second half of the season and the struggles they've had offensively. But like, I mean, I think like up until I, even in the post game, like people still expected somehow the Patriots to like pull out a win um, in this one. So I was I was pretty shocked and I'm actually shocked at like some of the, um, you know, like the fallout and like what people are saying and like Tom Brady's house is on the market. Like I, I just can't believe that that's the way Brady and Belichick would end. But it kind of really seems like that now. Um like I was a big doubter that that would be the case, but it does seem like there are some like legitimate, I don't know, people who have like informed opinions, I guess, um, who who believe that's the case as well. Which, I mean, like, thank you. <laughs> like it's time for something new in the NFL. So, yeah. Careful what you wish for, though. I mean, I think there's something to be said about watching Breeze and Brady lose in, in uh, wild card week. That makes me a little worried that Rogers is like one of the other last members of this guard still in this playoffs. And it might just be a Mahomes, you know, Lamar, uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, it might, this might be the year that it, that the turnover happens. Um, Isn't Rogers though, kind um, of like halfway between the two guards. Yeah. I think Rogers is kind of a connective tissue between, between the, uh, the oldest fogies and the, uh, well, he's, <laughs> he's, let's say he's three, three quarters to four fifths of the way. Uh, he's not halfway. <laughs> Uh, Russell Wilson's probably a better like link between the two. That's yeah, Russell Wilson's probably the real go between in that. You want to talk about about underappreciated uh, 
poorly scouted, wrongly scouted. And I guess, you know, to some extent, Deshaun and Mahomes are also poorly scouted, if if not only by the Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex, to your uh, to your earlier point, it, you know, when the Patriots get the ball back with like four minutes and change left, I feel like most of us thought collectively that, you know, Brady was just going to do this. I mean, we've seen it so many times before and it, it didn't happen and it felt a little weird it it simultaneously felt weird that it didn't happen and that they couldn't get it done and yet it was kind of like a, a duh moment where you with fresh eyes look back on the season that they had um, the offense that they put on the field and who their opponents were and also the run that the, the titans have been on and and you kind of think to yourself oh how come we didn't see this coming how come I didn't see this coming and run to my bookie with dollars in hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And and if you're like the Bills, who obviously had a great season, the Dolphins, who are probably going to get to a Tagovailoa now, like it's the first time you have any legitimate hope in, I don't know, what, 20 years? Oh, God, <laughs> the clouds like. have parted. Yeah, like finally. It's like this little ray of sun. Well, this- I mean, we're also getting a little ahead of ourselves. And uh, Alex, if if you are the gambling sort, is Tom Brady's last play in New England like actually a pick six? Well, here, here's the only thing that like makes me doubt it. Um, the, if Jimmy Garoppolo were still there, it would be like 100% writings on the wall. But there is no... It doesn't feel like there's a transition plan. So... Like, I don't know what the Patriots would want to move on to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think Bill Belichick wants to move on, but there's not necessarily a, a plan. Yeah. Didn't they sort of begrudgingly right part ways with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, Belichick was not happy about that. Supposedly, Kraft and Brady were... I mean, I don't know how much Brady was, like, involved, but... For the sake of entertainment, let's assume Brady was very involved. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, there was a bunch of stuff... Wasn't there a bunch of stuff about, like, how crappy... Tom Brady treated Garoppolo and yes. like wouldn't let him like into his like secret training sessions with his like medical guru and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a story that, that whatever TB12 facility or whatever it is, like Garoppolo was trying to train at with that Alex Guerrero. No, fake Garoppolo's guy. allowed. And that he was literally <laughs> locked out, like locked out yeah. of the facility or something like that, which is yeah. like kind of unbelievable. But I don't know if I put it past Tom Brady. I mean, I mean that also. I mean that that does sound kind of like people said the same kind of stuff about Favre towards the end of his career. Um, you know, yeah. it, it it this, this like Rogers and Favre as buddies is a somewhat recent phenomenon. We we like to forget. Yeah, I don't like to forget. Um, all right, guys, uh, we'll move on and um to the NFC and uh, starting first with uh, the game. That at least for now does not end up concerning the Packers, and that is the uh, the Vikings. I think fairly impressive win in New Orleans against the Saints, twenty six to twenty. Ben, you've talked up the Vikings all year, and then they kind of end the regular season kind of flat. But was the result of this game a surprise to you at all? Uh, it was a surprise, not so much in the performance of the Vikings, but in the performance of the Saints. I thought um, I legitimately thought that the Saints were a better football team than they looked like on on uh I guess that was Sunday was that Sunday um yeah I uh I didn't see much out of the Vikings that like really shocked me I I think we've seen Cousins be able to kind of make like one or two kind of wow throws a game um we've seen you know Dalvin Cook just gash and gash and gash and the defense was really good uh but 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that that was a pretty inspiring game. I, all the games were pretty inspiring, as far as I feel for the Packers' chances. Um, I feel better coming out of Wild Card Weekend than I did going in. in yeah, terms a of lot of uh, ugly wins, forward. huh? How about that? Yeah, and I, and I mean, you know, by the transitive property, right? Like the the Packers beat the Vikings, so the, you know, they're the better football team, and uh, you know, they're. But I guess also by the transitive property, like San Francisco is a better football team than the Packers. So <laughs> much we'll better. What, we'll see how we that are, shakes uh, out. Following that logic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about you? What did you uh, I don't know how much of this game you got to see, but I know that we all were texting during these games. Um, Drew Brees uh, looked like he really wasn't able to push the to ball downfield, which I think has become a theme over the last few years towards the end of each season, kind of losing power in that arm is funny because I made that observation and then um and then there was that long bomb and I texted you like oh well like just as I'm saying this Drew Brees throws a big bomb and you're like no dude that was Taysom Hill (laughs) it was it was a great game for Taysom Hill like that was the Taysom Hill game yeah I think uh this game definitely solidified him as my favorite player to watch that's not a Packer and it's he made even better by him being a former Packer like I just yeah I'm just a sick I'll root for um, you weren't the only one, by the way. Like uh, I think right before um, Taysom Hill threw that pass, there's the classic announcer's curse where I think Troy Aikman said, I really don't like any play with Drew Brees on the sideline. And then it was like arguably the biggest play of the game for the Saints. Um, <laughs> happened like you know, two seconds later. Um, I agree with ben, Ben's take. I mean, like I think it just makes you feel better about the Packers that they were able twice to completely stifle a Minnesota offense. And I understand that there was no Dalvin cook in the second game. Um, but they also withstood like a career game from Dalvin cook and won. you know, yeah. and like, yeah, lest we forget of, the earlier game this year, it felt that win felt like they were in control most of the time. So like, you know, it's nice that they advance. There's a still because of that. I mean, there's, I guess there would have been a chance anyway, but a chance the Packers could play at home uh, in an NFC championship, which feels like a slim chance, but that chance exists. And if that were the case, I would feel really good about it. Like, I don't care about the, oh, beating a th- team three times. Like, uh, it's difficult to do. Like, they're just better than the Vikings, yeah. you know? Yeah. And maybe we'll never know, but might have been better than the Saints, too. Like, the Saints looked more of, like, the fake division-winning team, uh, the fake good team that won its division and had a great record then I think the Packers will look on Sunday. Yeah, I hope you are right. Um, wrapping up our wild card weekend rundown, the Seattle Seahawks, Reed Russell Wilson, <laughs> defeated the Josh McCown-led uh, Eagles 17-9, to which is like the Seahawksiest final score if ever <laughs> I saw one. Uh, Wasn't that the final score when they played in the regular season? I might be making that up, but I think that's true. Someone Google that while I'm talking. I'm gonna, I'll look it up right now <laughs> as you continue to transition us. Alex, uh, Carson Wentz uh, goes out with a concussion from a highly questionable Jadavian Clowney hit after just four, I think, pass attempts in in this game. Is there a more unlucky player in all of the NFL when it comes to injury? It doesn't really feel like it. I mean, it's weird to think that, you know, as a Super Bowl winning team, that was the first time he got to play in the postseason. Uh, it's even weirder to think that the guy who came in for him, who's 40, who's been in the league forever, just somehow hasn't like mistakenly taken a, uh, a few snaps at quarterback. 
uh, in the postseason in Josh McCown. By the way, it was 17-9 both times these teams played wow. each other. So it is officially the Seahawks' eagliest, eagliest wow. score um, possible. Um, I feel bad for Carson Wentz. And I think, you know, when we're talking about wild card football, making you feel a certain way about the Packers and their chances against the Seahawks, like I don't think the Seahawks will look as bad. But they they really struggled to beat a team that even without Carson Wentz, like even with Carson Wentz in the lineup, was still completely depleted by injury. Oh, yeah. I heard a stat today um, uh, on, I believe, the Dan Levitard show on ESPN that four starters uh, on the Eagles like roster that they fielded, like there's four starters heading into this game, were players that had been cut by at least two teams just this football season. Like that shows you how depleted they were. Like four guys are on their third team and starting for the Eagles, like since since training camp concluded. And they really struggled to put them away. Yeah. So like, you know, the Packers might win ugly, but that was an ugly ass win for the Seahawks, man, against a team that they should have steamrolled probably just based on health alone. Yeah. I mean, it was Josh McCown throwing to like Boston Scott. Um, hey, but don't knock Boston Scott. He seems like a foldy guy. Boston <laughs> Scott's legit. Foldy, give me the scouting report on Boston Scott. <laughs> What's wrong with Boston Scott? I don't know nothing about him. I, you know, sorry, Boston. I just saw your name on the on the death chart here on the box <laughs> score and was like, I've uh, literally never heard of that person before. Oh man, Boston Scott. He's like a classic, like late season fantasy draft stash that you hope. You know, he's like he's your he's your Darren Sproles light. You know. Well, there, there you go, because I've successfully taken uh, this year completely off of fantasy football, so that's likely why I do not know who that person is. So, sorry, Boston, I'm, I'm meaning no disrespect, but um, a quick note, minor technological disaster just now means that we've just lost Ben. Uh, back in the day, he and I did a very DIY show where that happened all the time, and we called it getting poochied, which is a Simpsons reference uh, for those of you deep cut fans out there. So, Ben is gone now. Um, he, he had to go now. His home planet needs him. So he was, he was just poochied, but, um, Alex, you're still here with me. And, um, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to do a more proper review, uh, a preview, I should say of the Seahawks, uh, with our special guest, uh, Thursday night for the Friday morning show. But, um, let's quickly just sort of paint with a broad brush. Do you come away from the Seahawks Eagles game particularly worried about anything the Seahawks bring to the table outside of Russell Wilson? Ooh, outside of Russell Wilson. Um, the caveat. That's where I get yeah, you. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> um, I, I think if I had to pick something, I would say that, um, you know, Jadevian Clowney has begun to play pretty well for them, and he's not really healthy, and he's still making a lot of plays. Yeah. Um, now, I understand the matchup will likely, you know, be against a very good tackle on whatever side of the ball uh, he lines up on. I think primarily he's on their the right side of their defensive line. So he would be matched up with David Bakhtiari, who's like, you know, good for a holding penalty, probably on the first series. Um, as (laughs) As uh, has been the, uh, the traditional year, (laughs) uh, comes off the edge, but you know, should hold up pretty well, but there are still, sorry, there's, uh, not, you know, they're not the defense they were, um, when they were making deep playoff runs and winning the Super Bowl. But there are still some playmakers there, you know, and I think that that's like the one thing. Um, I thought about maybe saying DK Metcalf, who looked like an absolute monster. Yeah. He was like a physical freak. 
and who's like just put it together, um, especially in that game against the Eagles. But the Packers secondary is pretty sound, man. So I'm not like overly worried that he's going to tear them up. So, um, yeah, you know, this isn't I, I think the, uh, pressure this isn't the on Packers defenses of old where you just you get to the playoffs and you just wait for another team to drop 40 on you because, you know, it's going to yeah. happen. I would really hope not, I mean, especially <laughs> this team that that struggled, you know, can struggle offensively. Yeah. The Seahawks, you know, they're they're not particularly healthy either. Yeah. Um. Hence, Marshawn Lynch coming out of retirement, um, and Robert Turbin coming out of retirement. <laughs> like, I mean, or I don't know if he was retired, but like, I mean, they're bringing back running backs from years ago. Yeah. Um, they're really reaching. So that's one thing in the Packers' favor. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll have a lot more time to to break all that down and, and get into it um, on a deeper level a little bit later this week. But um, moving on, last thing before we get out of here for now, we would be remiss if, if we didn't spend some time talking about uh, former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy had a sleepover at Jerry Jones' house, drank some Mountain Dew, stayed up all night playing Resident Evil and come morning time. The Cowboys have a new head coach, and it is Mike McCarthy. Alex, <laughs> what are your initial impressions after hearing this news? Well, it's like anything. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I um, Frankly. It's... it's I, I'm very happy for him. I want to say that. Yeah. And I, you know, I understand that Packers fans will never root for the Cowboys. Most Packers fans, I'm supposed to hate them. And believe me, you know, if and when we get that matchup, I'm going to want them to destroy the Cowboys. But I'm rooting for him to succeed and kind of think that he will. Um, I think it's a good fit. You know, Jerry Jones kind of set it up to where uh, if he knew he was going to hire McCarthy, like he listed all his needs as things that McCarthy kind of checks boxes for. Experienced coaches done winning, yada, yada. That explains why Marvin Lewis was the other guy they interviewed i guess i don't know how much winning necessarily he's done as a head coach um he's you know i think he gets a bad average season he's like also running the scouting department which they didn't have when he started i don't want to go too too far down the uh the bengals hole but they have like literally no infrastructure yeah that's true (laughs) it was an organization that was just in you know shambles and is now rebuilding and still kind of in shambles but um you know i i think you know, Mike McCarthy can make a quarterback better. And I think he gets, you know, we remember him as the guy who might have ruined the past few years of Aaron Rodgers at his physical peak and all of those things. There absolutely needed to be a change because things got stale. But it's a fresh start. I would think that, you know, based on that piece that he did um, with Tom Pelissero in that video, and I don't know if this is actually a common thing that coaches who are out of jobs for a full year do, but like he was basically still kind of operating as if he were a coach. So I would think he watched a ton of film and has probably like evolved some of his own offensive philosophies to fit a bit more modern um, era of, of football. So um, you can never take away the fact that for what felt like two years, he won a Super Bowl, went 15 and one, you know, won the division a bunch of times. Um, I know he didn't win it when they won the Super Bowl, but like there was a period of time that the Packers offense felt invincible and that they only lost because their defense let them down. And he was responsible for that. And he's still responsible for development of Aaron Rodgers in the early stages. And I think him coming into a team with, you know, pretty good, better wideouts than I think he's coached as a collective group uh, in Green Bay since, 
I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know. Um, uh, you know, a, a great running back, a good offensive line, and a good quarterback. Who quarterback? I think the best or second best offense by DVOA and by like you know counting stats mm-hmm. in all of football. And I think he can make Dak better. So um, I think he's a good hire, you yeah. know. And, and I think he'll he'll succeed. And he's set up in a situation now where if he does any real winning. Um, you know, to the the level of consistency he did in Green Bay, even if it's just winning divisions, maybe getting a first round bye, whatever it might be, um, that's success they have not had in Dallas in a really long time. You know, <laughs> yeah, for, for a franchise that's the richest and biggest one in all of sports, yeah. I think he'll be considered a hero, and to be considered a hero for two of the biggest. NFL franchises yeah. is something that like not a lot of people can say. Yeah, almost no one. I mean, two of the most historic franchises. And that was something that I talked to RJ Ochoa about over at uh, Blogging the Boys, the SB Nation, uh, the SB Nation site for the uh, Cowboys, uh, his show, The Ocho Podcast. I was on there uh, Monday evening. Uh, go check that out. Give that a listen. We we did a little McCarthy 101. I gave him the lowdown. Uh, we played a little McCarthyism bingo. But um, but yeah, we talked about all that, and I, I I as well talked about sort of the guy that you're getting in McCarthy. Um, obviously, in terms of of what his his new air quotes offense is going to look like, we don't know. That's a mystery. But the thing that we do know for sure that you're getting is is someone who knows how to build a culture. And someone who knows how to build a program, who's gonna he's gonna sit at the table with with Jerry Jones and whoever those decision makers are, and he's gonna agree on the mission, the goals, the vision, the process, and he's gonna like keep that train moving in that direction. And that's always something uh, that he was super good at from from day one. And um, it may seem kind of like a weird point to bring up, but there's a lot of teams we just mentioned the uh, the Bengals, the Browns. Uh, not to crap on Ohio, another team <laughs> that kind of like has been missing that for a long time. And you thought they had that. And now Dorsey's out the window. And so there's so much flux. Um, sometimes you just need that guy who just knows how to build a program and stick to it. Yeah, I think that's a great point, too, because before there was ever rumors that, by the way, I still have to believe are false about massages during meetings. And before there was like long form feature pieces, kind of just talking about how bad the culture got in Green Bay. There was a, a franchise that I think behind the Patriot way was viewed as like the second healthiest winning culture in in the sport. Yeah. Um, and I certainly believe that. So and, and, and he created that like you can't take that away from him, you know, and, yeah. and um, just to hit on like kind of the culture deteriorating and falling apart. You know, I think. Uh, you probably talked about this as well uh, on the Ocho, but uh, I mean, I think part of that, a, a larger portion of that had to do with personnel decisions that he did not have a say in. A lot of that had to do with the siloing with Ted Thompson. Like Ted Thompson's time ran out before McCarthy's, but the damage from that doomed him, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, to the point where it was kind of irredeemable. There was some awkwardness and sort of planning the organization around sort of a, a failing Thompson in terms of his health and, and changing of the guards and some front office people got frustrated and left and McCarthy stuck around for like a weird prove it year. And like that all I think played, played a role, not to mention sort of the philosophy of, of not wanting to bring in uh, free agents, which if you're not going to hit in the draft, you're going to really stymie the production of your team. Yeah, and get don't get don't take this the wrong way. The Packers absolutely needed this like kind of wholesale 
uh, totally. I don't like change the wholesale changes that you know came with the front office and the coaching staff. Yeah. But shake the sheets I, out, man. That's what they need yeah. to do. But oh, Gutekunst made some amazing decisions. Like if Mike McCarthy were still coaching this team, and this is taking nothing away from Lafleur, I don't know that they wouldn't have won the NFC North and um, you know been hosting a playoff game this Sunday. Maybe that's stupid to say, but they were not winning games because of their offense. Yeah. And Mike Pettin was already there. Like pieces, these pieces were already in place. Maybe I'm like too emotional with McCarthy and I'm just sad he can't like enjoy like the, the good things that came in the wake of. Yeah. Well, you know, it's lonely. It's lonely being a warrior sometimes. So it is, but you know what? He's not gonna be lonely anymore. He's going to be, you know, coaching out at the Jones estate, playing Xbox or whatever. (laughs) I, I mean, I can't, talk about two guys. You just can't really picture together. Like he makes so much sense for the football team, but he doesn't really make, like, I can't imagine him and Jerry Jones, like, I don't know, having, like, a a, a functional, like, friendship, you know? Yeah, it's like true. going. Imagine going from Ted Thompson to Jerry Jones. Like, I can saw, you get any diff- more different? I saw Charles McDonald. Uh, he waited, like, the as far as comedic timing, he waited the perfect amount of time uh, to elapse after the sleepover story kind of broke, and he just tweeted out, Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy really had a sleepover, man. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Man, it's just it's just fucking weird. Uh, but uh, but speaking of RJ and and uh, my uh, spot on the Ocho, uh, we had a good time. And after we were done recording, uh, we were chatting for a bit. And, and he asked me for some examples of like amazing Mike McCarthy Packers games, um, as well as uh, some of the worst games that I could think of. He wanted to I don't know if he's working on a piece or what, but wanted to go back and, and watch a few games and see what he might uh be getting himself into here in uh, in Macland. So, uh, firstly, to our listeners out there, I thought I would put this out at the APC Pod uh, on Twitter. Send us uh, your votes for like your favorite. You think the best uh, McCarthy coached game, um, as well the worst McCarthy coached game, and we will pass those along to RJ. I think this will be uh, a lot of fun. But Alex, uh, I'll turn to you when I say McCarthy's best coached game. What comes to mind for you? I mean, yeah, there's definitely a couple. I mean, one that I I, I think a lot of us agree on um, is when they beat the Patriots in the regular season in 2014. I remember a few things about that specifically. One, I believe in the post-game press conference, and I don't think he was prompted um, to talk about Mike McCarthy. Bill Belichick basically just, like, complimented the game plan he put together and, like, admitted that he was outcoached. Yeah, you're um, right. That's exactly how it happened. By McCarthy. And that, I think, is the greatest compliment someone in the past two decades coaching in the NFL can get. Yeah. Um, And I also specifically remember that was, a that was like, kind of when they first started to utilize and, you know, this got stale quickly. Uh, Randall Cobb is a running back, but I thought what was particularly great was the way they used him as a receiving running back against the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I think I, I think that was like one of the few times they hit on a wheel route with uh, Randall Cobb mm-hmm. out of the backfield. Yes. They tried was, and tried and tried, but they got it that time. Um, and they really caught the Patriots off guard with that. Like yeah. things were just clicking. It was yeah. like all these great ideas that never they never really built on, and ultimately just went away. But like they were on display in that game in a big spot yeah. against a very good team. Uh, the Super Bowl is a good one. Um, I just I think there was some really 
well-executed plays in very big moments in that game. Yeah. Uh, the Greg Jennings running up the seam on third and 10, backed up in your own territory to go get a field goal and, um, you know, eventually go on to win. That one was huge. Um, so those are, you know, those are really good. Like, you know, so the more recent ones, it's really easy to find examples of games where you're really pissed at him and uh, some of his worst habits kind of show themselves. But there have been a lot of good ones. What are What's like uh, your... Uh, your game that you look at if I didn't steal it. Sorry for naming two. No, that's all right. Well, the Patriots game is definitely, I think, I think that's the top one for me. I mean, for all the reasons that, that you mentioned, um, that's a game where McCarthy, I think really, he wanted to prove something as like a preparer, as a football chess guy. And he totally did. And it was a great game. And, and Belichick said it, like you said, unprompted, he was out coached in that game. Um, it really was. Um, that's a special a special game to be able to beat the uh the Goliath of the league for the past uh for the past two decades um kind of unquestionably the best football mind uh coaching a football team uh of all time the other one that comes to mind for me the other game is the uh, 2010 divisional playoff matchup against the Falcons 48 to 21 uh was the final in that game and it was just a total offensive clinic it really was like McCarthy's sort of at at the height of his offensive innovation powers they were like fully on display and Rodgers was just on fire it was like equal parts Rodgers had been uh coached up and was fully realizing his abilities and was just like lasers and darts and he had five incompletions in the whole game he went 31 of 36 um so it was equal parts Rodgers was on fire and I think that the scheme was on fire as well. Um, so that one as well jumps to mind. It's a little, like like you said, it's a little harder, I think, to to come up with uh, the the worst games. I think plenty of games that like last year come to mind. I actually asked um, uh, our buddy John Meerdink as well as uh, as well as the big boss Evan Tex Western earlier today for their ideas for like the worst game. I think they both said uh, 2018 at Arizona, basically the game that got him fired. Um, mm-hmm. That was a train wreck, really kind of really grasping at straws. Um, but but remember to, when they almost lost to the Browns, too? Yep. I know oh, they yeah. didn't have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was crazy. <laughs> there was also the 2011 uh, playoff loss to the Giants. Remember that game? Yeah. That yeah, was that's... a really, really, uh, a really, really frustrating one. They also lost to the Chiefs uh, that year. Yeah. The only loss. McCarthy had a way, I feel like, of once a year losing a weird game to an uncommon AFC opponent or a weird NFC opponent um, mm-hmm. that they had no business losing to, just like laying an egg. Like once a year, I feel like it happened. Yeah. We're going to like the Packers with the Chargers this year. Can I nominate one more good one? Please do. I have very vivid memories of this game. Um, I was, I, I think I... I think I got the flu, actually. I wasn't hungover. I was, like, sick, um, like, lying on my couch. The Packers are down by 23 to the Cowboys without Aaron Rodgers. And I remember, like, falling asleep and then waking up, and it was, like, a one- or two-score game. And I was like, they're not going to, like, come back and beat the Cowboys in Dallas, are they? Um, but this is no Aaron Rodgers. The, the year that they were, like, rotating through, what, like, Seneca Wallace, Scott Tolzien, and eventually brought Matt Flynn back. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh. like, came back from 23 down to win by a point on the road against the Cowboys to basically yeah. keep their season alive. Yeah. Because that was the year, I think they improved with the win to 
like seven, six, and one, and eventually went eight, seven, and one, won the division on week 17 with that uh, fourth and great play, Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb. Like that, what that game would have been meaningless, and Rodgers would have never come back yeah. from injury if if they didn't if if Matt Flynn didn't throw four touchdowns for just under 300 yards. Yeah, uh, and Eddie Lacy went off. I think uh, he had. I'm like pulling up the the box. Yeah, 141 yards and a touchdown. And listen to the receivers, the leading receivers that day for the Green Bay Packers: Jarrett Boykin and Andrew Corliss. <laughs> like with Matt Flynn running the show. Um, now I don't remember like specific play. I remember Eddie Lacy going crazy. Like I said, I missed some of the game. I was like throwing up and then sleeping. Um, but when you look at that and like what he was coaching um, on the field, that's a that's such a good win. Like yeah, that yeah. that that's one, a crafty I mean, a crafty win. That's that's great because you know, I think the hardest thing in thinking about games that are great McCarthy games is separating them from great Rogers games at times. And that's like finally one example that like if anyone's like ah like what did he ever do without Aaron Rodgers not going crazy like well. He did win that game. The Cowboys weren't world beaters, but that that wasn't an easy win. They no. were down by twenty three. So yeah. that was a good one. That was uh, some adversity football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time adversity football. Just got to focus on the fundamentals, man. Watch your pad level. Overcome some adversity. <laughs> <laughs> Always watching the pad level. Uh, we have overcome adversity, losing Ben and uh, having some equipment malfunctions here on my end halfway through the show but uh sorry to cut you off i'm abruptly hitting the poke it's late for both of us as this uh, 35 minute show has taken us eight hours to record <laughs> uh sorry alex thanks for hanging in there um so yeah mike mccarthy is your new uh, dallas cowboys head coach that's a little bit weird and um the seahawks are the opponent Coming into Green Bay for the divisional round of the playoffs, we are going to have an extra special guest for a second episode this week, recording on Thursday night. We'll publish that overnight, be in your feeds on Friday morning, breaking down all things Seahawks versus Packers. Really excited for that one. Um, Alex, any last words? Any last McCarthyisms to let us go? You got a you got a burp in there somewhere? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I can't really do it without trying to talk. But, I know. It's just- I think my my uh, Lacroix burps have worn off by now. <laughs> I don't want to fake one and hurt myself here. Uh, no, but um, yeah, pinned the tweet to my profile. A little bit goes a long way. If anyone wants to help out, appreciate all the supportive things people have done. Appreciate people listening to the show. Um, I'm just in a really good, thankful mood and really excited to enjoy playoff football, man. Like enjoy the ride, whatever happens. This is like what we live for as Packer fans here. Everything you said, I want to underscore. And uh, we, uh, Alex is going to have uh, a link to that fundraiser on his Twitter, at Alex Patakis. Um, go to that one because he's got a, a friendly competition with uh, <laughs> Pratique, but you can also go to Pratique's because I don't want to dissuade anyone from d- donating or make it harder than it has to be uh, at Patel ESPN. We'll also uh, tweet out a link uh, with this episode uh, on Twitter, at the APC pod, uh, a little bit later uh, in the week as well. Uh, we'll throw it up on the blog uh, as well. So lots of ways uh, to donate a really good cause. And uh, aside from that, uh, we'll see you guys in a couple days talking Seahawks Packers. And uh, until then, um, yeah, hang on to your butts, man. <laughs> I don't know. Keep your stick on the ice. I got, I got nothing. All right. We're out of here. <laughs>